What a wonderful privilege it is for us this morning to gather together, to be able to offer our praise and adoration to the creator of this universe. Our God is an awesome God, worthy and deserving of all of the honor, all of the glory, all the praise that we may be offering to his matchless name. This morning I'd like to talk to you for a few moments about music to God's ears. The phrase, music to my ears, appears to have been coined or originated in the 16th century. I don't know if you've thought often about some of the idioms or phrases that we use and what they mean, but the phrase indicates that something has just heard that someone's heard something that is just what he wanted to hear. For instance, your child comes in and says to you, Mama, Daddy, I made straight A's on my report card. Well, that's music to my ears. Or someone comes in and says to you, Our home has just paid off. That's music to my ears. That's something that one really wants to hear, something that is pleasing and delightful. When I was studying about this, I came across a phrase by a famous English writer. His name is Osbert Sitwell, and he was receiving a considerable amount of praise for a writing that he had just completed, and he says, it's music to my ears. I've always said if I were a rich man... I would employ a professional praiser. And you think about that phrase for just a moment. Music to God's ears. Are our prayers and our praise music to God's ears? Is it something that God would delight in hearing? For instance, just a few moments ago as we sang those beautiful hymns and we offered our prayers and our praise to God, was God delighted in that? Was it just what he wanted to hear this morning from the saints assembled at the Bobby Branch Church of Christ building? Does God take delight in what he hears from us? Well, this morning's lesson is going to be basically two points. Know when it is offered by a sinner or offered improperly or incorrectly. There are times when God is not pleased when he hears from us. Then the other answer is yes. When it is offered correctly and by a sincere heart. I think it's worthy of our time to think about that for a few moments this morning. Let's begin, first of all, with this idea of no. <clears throat> Prayers and praise not offered properly to God will result in His not hearing with pleasure. Does God hear the words that we say, whether we say them in prayer or where we say them in our singing? Well, obviously he does. God hears everything. God hears every animal. God hears every 
uh, thing that happens on this planet. But does he hear it with pleasure? Is it music to God's ears? One may do what God has prescribed, but without the proper motivation, and God will not accept it. In other words, we're doing what God wants us to do, but we're not doing it with the right heart in mind. Have you ever heard someone make an apology and not meant it? I know there are many politicians and public figures who say things at times that are, just to be frank, stupid. And then when they are called upon to correct it, they will say, I apologize. And you know they don't mean it. You know the only reason they are apologizing is because their constituency has said something that has made them aware of the fact that they said something stupid. Or if it is, for instance, a company, they may realize, hey, we shouldn't have done this or said this. But their apology is hollow because it does not reflect genuineness. Have you ever seen children who got in a fight with one another and mama and daddy come in and said, you apologize, you tell them you're sorry. And you know what they'll say? I'm sorry. They don't mean it. When a person offers prayers or praise to God and does so without the right proper motivation, then God does not hear that. That's not music to his ears. Let me give you a couple of illustrations, if you will. As you come to the New Testament, Jesus was dealing with a very religious people. The Pharisees were people who you could recognize them by the clothes that they wore. They had tassels on the edges of their garments to to let people know that they were religious people. They would stop on the street corner and pray out loud so people could hear them pray. When they gave money, they would sound a trumpet and they would allow people to say, look what I'm doing. Their actions were for the purpose of drawing attention to themselves. And so here's how Jesus puts it, quoting Isaiah 29 and verse 13. These people draw near to me with their mouth and honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. These people talk and they're very open about their faith, but it doesn't really translate into their heart. Now let me ask you just a few moments. We just sang the song. I didn't ask Leonard to lead it, but... I'm glad he did. We sang the song, Oh, How I Love Jesus. Was that song music to God's ears? If it was sung by a genuine heart, it was. But if because we just were looking down and singing the words and had no meaning in our heart, those words were not music. To God's ears. Let me give you another illustration. If you go to the book of Zechariah chapter 7. 
Zechariah was one of the prophets after the Babylonian captivity. The children of Israel, because of their sin, were sent into captivity under the nation of Babylon for a period of 70 years. During that period of time, the people suffered greatly at the hands of Nebuchadnezzar and his followers, his successors. The children of Israel fasted in the fifth month and in the seventh month. And after it was all over, they had a tremendous amount of joy. And so they celebrated with feast and with thanksgiving. But I want you to listen carefully to verses 5 and 6. Say to the people of the land and to the priest, When you fasted and mourned in the fifth and seventh months during those 70 years, did you really fast for me? For me? When you eat and when you drink, do you not eat and drink for yourselves? The question which God is asking the children of Israel is when you fasted in those fifth and seventh months, were you doing it for me or were you doing it for yourself? Do you not suppose that many of them were thinking, woe is me, woe is me. I'm fasting. I'm mourning, not because I want to show contrition to the God of heaven that I have offended him, but I am fasting, I am mourning because of the condition I am in. That's exactly what Paul is hitting at in 2 Corinthians chapter 7. And he talks about the sorrow of the world and godly sorrow. And the sorrow of the world brings death. One may also do what God has prescribed to do, but do so while continuing to sin, and God will also reject that. In the book of Isaiah, chapter 59, verses 1 and 2, he puts it like this. Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, nor his ear heavy that it cannot hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he will not hear. It's as if our sinful behavior erects a wall between us and God. The inability is not God's inability to hear and to see. The inability is the fact that we have erected something between us and God. And that's our sinful behavior. In Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah introduces this with a very uh, clear, unequivocal passage as to why. To what purpose is the multitude of your sacrifices to me, says the Lord? I've had enough of the burnt offerings of rams and the fat of fed cattle. I do not delight in the blood of bulls and of lambs, of goats. When you come to appear before me, who has required this from your hands to trample my courts? Bring no more futile or vain sacrifices. Incense is an abomination to me. The new moons, the Sabbaths, and the calling of the assemblies, I cannot endure iniquity and the sacred meeting. I want you to notice verses 11 through 13 in this context. God is saying, I don't like the blood of bulls. I don't like the blood of lambs or of goats. 
Really? That's what God asked for. But God doesn't like it in this context. Why? Verses 14. Your new moons and your appointed feasts my soul hates. They are a trouble to me. I am weary of bearing them. When you spread out your hands, I will hide my eyes from you. Even though you make many prayers, I will not hear, for your hands are full of blood. Wash yourselves and make yourselves clean. Put away your evil doings from before my eyes. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Rebuke the oppressor. Defend the fatherless. Plead for the widow. He said, your sins are what is keeping you from being acceptable. In Malachi 1 and verse 10, paralleling what Zechariah had said earlier, he said, Who is there even among you who would shut the doors so that you would not kindle fire on my altar in vain? I have no pleasure in you, says the Lord of hosts, nor will I accept an offering from your hand. God says, I'm not pleased. This is not music to my ears. You're not living right. You find in the New Testament a passage by Jesus in Matthew 5, verses 23 and 24, which talks about before coming to church, before assembling to worship God. He said, Therefore, if you bring your gift to the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there before the altar and go your way First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. What is God looking for out of us? He's looking for people with clean hands and a pure heart who are really ready to worship him in their lives. But one may have the proper motivation. In other words, his heart is in the right place but not do what God has prescribed, and it also will be rejected. I want you to listen to a few passages of Scripture. I can't tell you whether Nadab and Abihu were properly motivated or not. I do know they did the wrong thing. We read, then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, took a censer and put fire on it and put incense on it and offered profane fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them, and they died there before the Lord. And Moses spoke to Aaron, or said to Aaron, this is what the Lord spoke, saying, by those who come near me, I must be regarded as holy. And before all the people, I must be glorified. So Aaron held his peace. When we come together, God has to be regarded as holy. I can't give God just anything and it be all right. It has to be spiritual. It has to be what he wants, what he has commanded. Nadab and Abihu didn't do that. Let me give you another illustration, which I think is perhaps easier for us to understand. When David was ready to establish the city of Jerusalem, 
as a place to be called by God's name. David wanted to build a house for the Lord. God's not going to allow him to do that. That'll be left to his son Solomon. But David wanted to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem. And so they're going to prepare the, a brand new cart. And it's going to be bringing the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to be introduced to a man by the name of Uzzah. And the text says, And when they came to Nacon's threshing floor, Uzzah put out his hand to the ark of God and took hold of it, for the oxen stumbled. Then the anger of the Lord was aroused against Uzzah, and God struck him there for his error, and he died there by the ark. I can't tell you whether it was instinctive or whether or not it was because Uzzah really didn't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall. But I know one thing. When those oxen stumbled and that cart shook and the Ark of the Covenant tilted, Uzzah put out his hand to stop it. Most of us would say, that's a good thing. You don't want the Ark of the Covenant to fall off that cart, hit the ground, and break. Uzzah certainly was not motivated by some ill will or ill desire. But Uzzah died anyway. When you go to 1 Chronicles 15 and verse 13, you know why. For because you did not do it the first time, the Lord God, our Lord our God broke out against us because we did not consult him about the proper order. You see, there were rings on both sides of that Ark of the Covenant. And there were poles that were meant to go through those rings. And those poles were meant to be carried on the shoulders of the Levites. The ark was not to be transported by means of a cart. It was to be transported by means of the Levites. There was a proper order to that. God was not going to accept it. It wasn't music to his ears because they didn't do it right. That's going to lead me into a, a tangent for just a moment, if you will. Because I chose the word music to God's ears for a purpose. What about instrumental music in worship? Is that music to God's ears? Does He like to hear that? Well, let me just take this tangent for just a moment. The world looks at those of us in the churches of Christ and thinks that we do not use instruments of music for various reasons. Some of them think we do not use it because we do not like the sound. I can't speak for everybody, but I can speak for myself. I like the, the sounds of instrumental music. I like classical instrumental music. So that's not it. Some people think we prefer the sound of a cappella better. And if you don't know what the word a cappella means, it literally means according to the chapel. But it means in our language without the accompaniment of instruments, just singing by vocal music only. Some people think we cannot afford instrumental music. I don't hear that much anymore, but there was a time when People used to say, well, you know, maybe they just can't afford to buy a piano or organ. 
Some people think that it is only because of tradition that this is what our parents did and their parents before them, and we're just simply maintaining a tradition. Those people who do use it look and say, but there's reasons why we do. It was approved at one time. You can open your Bibles, for instance, to the books of Chronicles and Psalms, and it's very apparent that they used instrumental music there. But you see, there was also a time when animal sacrifices were used. The slaying of a young bull or a young goat. And the blood of that sacrifice was placed on an altar. There was a time when the children of Israel were circumcised as a religious act to God. How serious was that? Exodus chapter 4, God almost killed Moses because he had not circumcised his son. And yet, we do not circumcise our children today for a religious reason. Listen to Exodus chapter 4, verses 24 and 26. And it came to pass on the way at the encampment that the Lord met him and sought to kill him. That's Moses. He had not circumcised his son Verse 26, so he let him go. And then she said, that's his wife, you are a husband of blood because of the circumcision. But when I come to the New Testament, Galatians 5, 2 through 4 says, Indeed, I, Paul, say to you that if you become circumcised, Christ will profit you nothing. And I testify again to every man who has become circumcised that he's a debtor to keep the whole law. You become estranged from Christ. You who attempt to be justified by the law, you've fallen from grace. Do you hear what he says? There are things that used to be acceptable and even commanded. But you don't do them today. That's not a legitimate reason. Some people say, well, if it's permissible in other places, if I can have instruments at home, why can't I have them in church? Well, you can have cookies and ice cream at home, but you can't put them on the Lord's table. Some call it an aid. Some people say our singing is so atrocious that we have to have an instrument to cover up the, the noise that we make. But that's not an Aid, that's an addition. An aid does not change what you are doing. An addition gives something on top of that. For instance, eyeglasses aid the seeing, but all you're doing is seeing. But when you sing and you play an instrument, you're doing two things, not one. But most people perhaps will say, but the Bible doesn't say you shall not worship with an instrument. No, it doesn't have that phrase. But here's what the Bible does say that covers not only this but many other things. The Bible says we are only to do what God has prescribed for us. Listen to Revelation 22, verses 18 and 19. For I testify to everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to these things... God will add to him the plagues that are written in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the prophecy, God will take away his part out of the book of life from the holy city and from the things that are written in this book. You don't add to it. You don't take away from it. God has prescribed what he wants. 
In 2 John 9 through 11 from the American Standard Reading, Whosoever goes onward and does not abide in the doctrine of Christ, the teaching of Christ, hath not God. Or Colossians 3, verses 22 and 23, he talks about a self-imposed, a self-designed religion that follows the doctrines and the commandments of men. There's really only one reason why we do not use instrumental music is because there's no authority in the Bible for it. God doesn't say it's okay, and if he doesn't, then we don't use it. But now I want to very quickly point out that there are times when God does hear. And he takes delight in hearing our prayers and our praise. Proverbs 15, 8. The sacrifices of the wicked are an abomination to the Lord, but the prayer of the upright is his delight. When a faithful child of God pours out his heart to God, when God's ears are open, that's music to his ear. It's a delight to him. He loves it when we humble ourselves before him. Listen to Proverbs, or excuse me, Psalms 51. Verses 15 through 17. O Lord, open my lips, and my mouth shall show forth your praise. For you do not desire sacrifice, or else I would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. What is God looking for? People who humbly bow before the Almighty and what they say is a music to God's ears. See, sometimes we may think God's not listening, but He is, though He may not always respond immediately. When I pray to God and I am pouring out my heart, and I want God's help. Does God hear me? Listen to Matthew 27, verse 46. And about that ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, which is, or that is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? You may think God had turned his back and he wasn't hearing. No, God was hearing. Hebrews 5, 7, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with vehement cries and tears, to him was able to save from the dead, and he was heard because of his godly fear. You don't believe that God heard the cry of Jesus on the cross? Most certainly he heard it. But God had to allow Jesus to endure it for our salvation. Sometimes God has to allow us to endure things for our good and for our benefit. But he delights in our prayers. Cornelius, Acts 10, 4, And when he observed him, he was afraid and said, Who is it, Lord? And he says to him, Your prayers and your alms are come up for a memorial before God. You see, when you have a sincere praying heart like Cornelius' was, God delights in those prayers. Some people may say, but my singing is not the best. 
Or my prayers are not prayed as eloquent as I would like for them to be. But you see, God is looking at our hearts. And that's what really counts. The melody is made in the heart. I want you to listen to 1 Samuel 16, 7. About the choice of David. The Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees. For the Lord looks at the outward appearance. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. We might say, oh, do you hear that beautiful voice singing? It may be singing from the heart and from the voice. But it may be a beautiful voice and not be singing from the heart. And do you hear that sound that's coming out over there? It may be a beautiful noise to the Lord. It may be music to his ears. Brother Mike read to us Ephesians 5 verse 19. Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Colossians 3.16 puts it like this. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom teaching and admonishing another, one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Hebrews 13, 15 says, Therefore let us continually offer the sacrifice of praise, that is, the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to His name. Are your prayers and praise music to God's ears? What we have spoken, the prayers that we have prayed, the songs that we have sung, are they music to God's ears? Well, I want to end with one additional thing. What better way to please God than to profess the good name of Christ or the good confession? In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 12 and 13, Fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life to which you were called, and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God, who gives life to all things, and before Jesus Christ, who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate. Do you realize this morning that there can be somebody who would say, I realize it's time for me to become a Christian. When you do, you come saying, I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, repenting of your sins. And then when the question is asked to you, do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Yes. That's music to God's ears. And then to be baptized for the remission of your sins. This morning, if you need to be obedient to the gospel or to be restored to faithfulness, would you come to, as we gather, stand and sing?